0: Hello and welcome to NSTA, the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and I just want to remind the listeners about the 2021 NSTA Annual Meeting and Convention. This will be held at the Pfister Hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, July 25th through the 28th. Now, the NSTA room block is open until June 24th, so make sure you make your reservations to guarantee that you'll be in the NSTA room block. Once again, room block is open until June 24th. Make your reservations early. If you have any questions about the NSTA annual meeting and convention, you can always contact us at info at yellowbuses.org. Now joining us at NSTA The Bus Stop is a frequent guest of ours. It's Rich Kelly from R.C. Kelly Law Associates and the NSTA Council. So. Rich, welcome back to NSTA The Bus Stop.
1: Thanks, Kurt. Uh, Delighted to uh, be invited to talk with you guys.
0: Great. Usually, you know, when we have repeat guests like yourself, we want them to go over, you know, their background. So why don't you just take a couple minutes, Rich, and and talk about R.C. Kelly Law Associates.
1: Sure, sure. Um, A lot of people we've worked with at uh, NSTA, uh, School Bus Contractors, and their associations, uh, they're familiar with my background in risk management and insurance that's focused on the business segment of School Bus Contracting. So R.C. Kelly Law Associates serves primarily independent school bus contractors and the trade associations. Uh, We're general counsel for the National School Transportation Association, the Pennsylvania School Bus Association, and have been engaged by many other state school bus associations for various projects, webinars, presentations. For school bus contractors, uh, we specialize in school bus contract negotiations, human resource issues, buy-sell transactions, the full spectrum. Of legal needs for school bus contractors. For the trade associations, we provide training, education, legislative and regulatory services, advocacy. Um, as you know, and as the listeners know, school bus contracting is a very special niche. So having counsel who's thoroughly familiar with that environment is, is pretty important.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true, Rich. And I know that you you talked about it, you know, briefly in the intro, but. You know, we there is more with the relationship of R. C. Kelly and NSTA, and that's
1: really the Business Council program. So why don't you take a, a moment to talk about that? Sure, and in fact, that is something that's been very popular, especially in this era of COVID. The Business Council program is a, a member benefit for NSTA members. You know, most specifically, uh, the legal issues that uh, contractors face, uh, as I said before, they're unique. You know, the contract, the operating relationship, all of that. And the business counsel program gives them the ability to call our office, talk with one of our attorneys and get answers to your questions. You know, you don't you're not in a situation where the clock is running uh, or you get a bill for that. You pay your dues and you have that resource. You know, typically, again, that really complicated environment that you're in is not common to most contracting situations. You know, a contractor reaches an agreement with the administration, it's approved by the board, the service goes to the students, and ultimately parents have oversight. Uh, From a legal and compliance standpoint, you've got compliance uh, requirements from both the state and the federal level, And uh, that's from the Department of Motor Vehicles, Department of Education, Department of Human Services, Department of Labor. You know, there may be nine or 10 agencies that you need to comply with in your day-to-day operations. Sometimes those agencies have conflicting guidance. So, uh, you know, the Business Council Program for NSTA members gives them a a real opportunity to talk to somebody that understands what they do and understands their unique legal environment, uh, all for part of your member benefit
0: yeah and that's
1: as you mentioned you know so critical
0: especially in this era uh, post covid 19 era that uh, we are now in the midst of you know and speaking of of covid you know last year we had a you know concerted lobbying effort uh, on a number of different occasions one of which you know occurred early on in the pandemic where we were able to insert some language about, in the CARES Act specifically, Section 18006 in the CARES Act. I I wonder if you just take a second and talk about that briefly, because it was an important lobbying effort, and it is something that, that has proved important for contractors in their negotiations.
1: Yeah, and it, and it was a, a great win from the NSTA collaborative advocacy team. You know, Becky Weber kind of led the charge and was instrumental in, in getting important language into the CARES Act that made it clear that the intent of those CARES Act fund recipients was that they should pay their employees but also their contracted service providers. You know, the the application process actually required them to certify that is schools to certify uh, that they did pay their contracted service providers. Now, it's been a little bit hit and miss. You know, some states did uh, act proactively and and they at the state level enacted either legislation or regulation or executive orders that uh, made it clear that schools should be working to stabilize the school transportation that contractors provide with continued payments. But again, it was not uniformly followed. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag. It was a big win, but not a cure-all. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, kind of as we,
0: you know, engaged in our NSTA advocacy efforts, you know, later on in the year, we, you know, began an additional effort that really culminated with enactment of coronavirus economic relief for transportation services, and we affectionately refer to that as CERT, CERTS. So, why don't you just for a second highlight the CERTS Act legislative path, you know, because that was something that once. We, you know, kind of addressed the Section One Eight Zero Zero Six. This effort was entirely different and aimed at a relief effort for contractors.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. What became clear, the eighteen zero zero six language in the CARES Act, while like I said, it was good, it it really left a lot to be desired for those uh, schools that received funds but still didn't pay uh, to stabilize uh, contracted transportation. You know, Early in the pandemic, the federal government provided COVID relief directly to a lot of industries, to, to airlines, to airports, to cargo carriers, to hospitals, and to schools, which is what we're talking about, and even to individuals in the form of stimulus checks and enhanced unemployment benefits. But uh, again, in most states, the COVID relief received by the schools wasn't actually used to help secure and stabilize contracted school bus services. So there was a gap there. While the payroll protection program uh, funds available through the CARES Act did help some contractors retain employees for a short time, it was really not well received by the furlough drivers who preferred more lucrative unemployment supplements. And some contractors uh, didn't receive PPP at all or any federal funding, either because the funds ran out uh, or timing or just, again, confusion over that. So in the end part of 2020, actually beginning in the middle part of 2020, but culminating in the end, a, a multi-industry advocacy effort was started. And uh, NSGA and the school bus industry was a large part of that, combining efforts with the motor coach industry and the passenger vessel industry, seeking funds, direct funds, to stabilize and save their industry. In December of 2020, ultimately $2 billion was approved in the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Now, that sounds like a big number until you really look at it and note that it was $10 billion that was being sought, which was the combined losses that the industries believed they were suffering. But again, $2 billion is important. And you know we're, we're glad that that was approved in December, and we're eager for that to be rolled out. So the kind of set the framework, Consolidated Appropriations
0: Act was actually signed by then-President Trump December 27th, 2020. At that point, uh, not that the real work wasn't being done in terms of getting the search provision included in the CAA, but now once something gets approved, there's still a great pathway to uh, traverse as, as you make its way into getting those funds into the hands of contractors. So in, in terms of NSTA, we had to navigate a changeover in administration. But maybe you can give the folks an idea of our engagement with um, really the Department or the Department of Treasury, as well as the Department of Transportation, you know, on getting and that effort still continues, but getting relief into the hands of contractors.
1: Yeah. And and you raise a good point there too. A lot of times, you know, people think that the finish line has been reached when legislation is passed. uh, And that's really more, not so much the finish line as the green flag, meaning, okay, this has been authorized, but it really can't be administered until regulatory agencies write more detailed rules about how they're going to administer $2 billion worth of aid to multiple industries in a fair and equitable manner. And again, the the NSTA was was instrumental in that. And and Kurt, you know, you and I and and Becky and others participated in multiple conference calls with both the Department of Treasury and the FMCSA to talk about how, how that money could be administered to answer their questions about how our industry worked and to to try to, you know, basically make that happen as quickly as possible, but as fairly as possible. And that fairness component is something I think they've been really fixated on. The, uh, the act directed the Department of Treasury and FMCSA to work together. Since that time, again, we've had the multiple calls. Uh, on May 6, guidance was issued by the Department of Treasury, and it noted that the certs application would launch very soon. It could conceivably be launching now between when we tape this and when this hits the airwaves. So if so, uh, stay tuned for more at that time.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Things are, are fluid, but y- y- you know, this has kind of been taking the path of incremental strides for sure. One of those incremental strides was certainly a guidance document sent out by Department of Treasury a couple of weeks back. I know it was a lengthy document. Maybe you can distill some of the key points for the listeners in that guidance document, because I do think it's important in terms of setting the groundwork for the overall application process.
1: Yeah, and it is their first uh, run, we'll say, at how all of this is going to work. Uh, from our Treasury guidance and from the dialogue we've had with them so far, uh, we learned that all of the funds will be as uh, administered as grants, not as loans. That's good news. And we've learned also that all eligible applicants will receive some level of relief. There, there will be no empty hands among eligible applicants. As far as eligibility goes, considerations will look for a 25% or more loss of revenue in the 2020 operating year due to COVID, but it'll also factor out the extent to which an applicant may have already received COVID relief funds uh, in the form of PPP or uh, other programs that they may have applied for and received funds from. So, it's got some shape. I think the important part is that, uh, again, it will be grant funds, not loan funds. And uh, again, it's good that there will be no empty hands, but $2 billion spread across multiple industries. Uh, it's really uncertain what level of funding will, will actually be made available. But there there is a four-week window when they do open the program, the application period. They uh, They expect to leave that application open. For a period of four weeks, proving eligibility supposedly on an ongoing basis, so that at the end of that four-week program, they'll be able to put through, I'll say, a formula the level to which various companies and various industries have been hurt, and and try to equitably spread that money around.
0: Yeah, and to amplify what Rich is saying, the four-week application process will have to play out to completion before any funds are distributed in order for their formula to to work, since this is, as Rich mentioned, not a competitive grant program, but rather a program that's going to provide grant relief for all contractors. That's right. So one final area uh, that we'll touch on is, I know that uh, folks may have a concern in terms of what, you know how this this grant program is ultimately deployed, and that's in the area of quote unquote operating primarily as a school bus contractor. Can you talk to folks about that a little bit, Rich?
1: I can, and we kind of have some unique perspective on that because this was a an issue or a question that was really central to a lot of the questions that the Department of Treasury had in the dialogue that we had with them. The the Treasury is aware that many school bus contractors have multiple and varied business operations, sometimes operating all within the same EIN number. So while they were mindful of that they wanted to be sure and they wanted to confirm that their administration of the certs funds for school bus contractors hits the mark uh, meaning that they want to direct certs funds for school bus contractors to those school bus contractors who suffered a loss of 25% or more in 2020 and whose primary operations are school bus so if a business operating under a particular EIN Is let's say mostly trucking or cargo transportation, but they also happen to run, you know, a couple of school buses. Uh, They would likely not be eligible since their primary business is really trucking or cargo as opposed to school bus contracting. Uh, We'll know more when the application is launched by the Department of Treasury, uh, which we expect any day now. But in the meantime, school bus contractors uh, can go online and register for uh, their search application through the Department of Treasury portal and get what's what they're calling an ID.me username and password. It is uh, portal.treasury.gov backslash cares, and uh, you'll see a lot of information there. You'll also see uh, your ability to register for the ID.me username. So uh, again, you'll, you'll need to get information ready that is outlined on that page that I just mentioned. So uh, it's a great way to get started so that when the 4 week application period opens you're ready to go. Yep, and that's
0: uh that's uh, great advice, Rich. One last thing before we run I know that you're going to be participating in the NSTA annual meeting and convention in Milwaukee. You'll be part of the panel group with respect to school bus contracts post COVID-19 and this is part for Rich so you're really you know, moving this along to, I think it's going to be rather than a trilogy. Obviously, we're into the fourth. This is really moved into a mini series type of event. <laughs> so, but why don't you talk about that? And, and I guess if we have to, and the application process is still open, although we hope it isn't. I guess you can address some of the perhaps lingering questions of certs with that program.
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that time frame in uh, Milwaukee where we're going to be doing part four. Uh, and in this case, I know the sequels are sometimes not as good as the original, but uh, I expect that this sequel should be pretty exciting. And, and I say that because the, the whole environment is evolving Quickly, The Business Development Committee and and the group that's there, Patrick Dean and and, and others, uh, have done a great job of looking broadly, but teaching narrowly. That is, okay, look, there's a lot happening. And what what used to normally happen in the process of RFPs and bids and contract extensions may still be happening, but in many cases, there's significant and important differences. So we're going to talk about, tactically, how to address some of those situations that are different from the way it's been done year after year after year. Or in some situations, it's not, but it needs to be. We need to address some coronavirus considerations and funding considerations uh, that have become apparent with the uh, pandemic and how that was handled. And I think that that's going to vary certainly from school to school and state to state. Uh, but this particular uh, contracts part four, uh, like I said, is, is going to take what we've learned and talked about in the last three sections and try to update it and, and look forward to what that means for the, the contracts and extensions and bids that you're working on now, either for the coming year or for the coming multiple years. So uh, it, it should be good. I highly recommend it for, uh, for all school bus contractors.
0: Great. Once again, our guest at NSTA, the bus stop, Rich Kelly from RC Kelly Law Associates. Now, once again, I'm just going to remind everyone, NSTA annual meeting and convention July 25th through the 28th at the Pfister Hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Please remember the NSTA room block is only open until June 24th, and you'll you'll be able to see part 4 of the school bus contracts post COVID-19 program as well as Regina Phelps on crisis management and our uh, messaging from that there's a program on electric buses as well a lot of things don't miss it once again the 25th of July through the 28th at the historic Vista hotel in Milwaukee Wisconsin so hey Rich thanks so much for joining us at NSTA the bus stop we appreciate your support and guidance and hopefully we'll see these search uh, funds making their way to contractors in short
1: order yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's something that comes out and comes out soon, because we, we'd like to be talking about how great it worked, hopefully. So we'll, we'll see if that's the story in, uh, in the next sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks so much for joining us at the bus stop. Take care, Kurt. Thanks for the invitation.